Yeah, I'm figuring this thing out as I go along. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is a uh, new take. A new take on an old project, right? Anywho, it's a Saturday evening, and um, I'm here at Studio B. That's what I'm calling it for now until we get a sponsor for both studios. Then I'll say, like John, uh, like John Sterling, say from the... The Lowe's Broadcast Booth, driven, quite frankly, driven by Jeep. <laughs> never. <laughs> That'll never happen. Ain't nobody going to drive this show. Anywho, there's some things that I'm working out over here as far as the kinks um, on the screen. Obviously, we have the, I have a little bit of flickering with the, with the, the neon. So there are things that have to be regulated, I understand. But I'm glad that you're here for a a wonderful maiden voyage. And I'm just going to be reading through some news over here. Obviously, it's a day that uh, a total war has broken out. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And the atrocities being committed are unspeakable, of course. And everybody has to take a side right now. Nearly $5 billion has already been sent off to Israel from uh, uh, from the Congress. Oh, no, not even the, no, not the Congress. I'm sorry. That doesn't happen anymore. Anthony Blinken did it or something happened. We'll get into it all. Get into it all because, of course, anything's a bigger priority than we are. And um, and just as all of the all of the headlines in Ukraine started just fizzling, uh, this happens. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Always wondering which shoe is going to drop next. And this can be <laughs> just adding more fuel to the fire. What's going on all over the place. But I'm happy that you're here with me tonight. We'll do a little bit of that first. And then we will uh, take a call with Timothy Gordon at, at 930. It's 9 o'clock right now. I can actually take some calls from you guys beforehand. I would love to do that. Does everybody hear me all right? Let me see. Is everybody hearing me? Everybody's good? Good. Excellent. Fantastic. I'm glad everybody hears it. As long as it comes through, then it's just um, it's just that. Now, this is also where I do a lot of my writing for the show now. I'm no longer at the, the kitchen table. And uh, this was once a very uh, narrow bedroom in a very old house. And this bedroom was at one at one point abandoned and turned into a giant walk-in closet. I said, you know what? We'll figure out everything. We'll figure out all the, the closet stuff. I need someplace to put a desk. And my desk fits perfectly. With room to spare, by the way. It looks a lot more narrow than it is. It's cozy in here. But that's just exactly what this was supposed to be. A cozy place to get some work done. And, in a pinch, do a broadcast and uh, not have to go to the studio if let's say a blizzard comes through or anything else like that and i don't have to go into the basement either with the possum living right outside the door for months and months listening to me and doing whatever the hell else um but anywho anywho feels good up here and it'll only get better only get better. I needed a satellite, a satellite location, anyhow. 
All right, first thing up, first thing up is this. Let's go over to the window capture I set up. Did you see this? I thought that this was hilarious. GOP congressman claims lawmakers sleep in their offices to avoid crime in D.C. Republican congressman said that some lawmakers are so scared of crime in Washington, D.C. that they have taken to sleeping in their offices. Representative Eric Burleson made the comments on the conservative Todd Starnes show Wednesday when asked about Monday's gunpoint carjacking of his colleague, Representative Henry Kuehler, or Sugler, I don't know how you say it. Anyway, Burleson, 47, claimed it was insane to even own a car in the district due to the expense of parking because it was likely to get broken into or stolen by force. Here's a quote. I don't want to walk back and forth from an apartment in D.C. at night or in the morning, early morning, to get to work. It's just not a safe environment. See, there you go. Now, the difference between both of the, both sides on this, if, wherever there are sides to be had, is that there's a side that admits that there is a serious problem that's willing to talk about it. They're still going to get carjacked. The other side is willing to get carjacked, beat up, robbed, and even killed and deny why things are so bad until the moment they take their last breath. That's where we're going. That's where we are. And um, that's scary. That was all part of the whole NPC thing. The NPC mindset comes out very, very clearly in this. There is just zero self-awareness. Um, someone in the, the chat, who, I, I think it was Katie Sky sent me a, a link to uh, Scott Adams talking about this very specific, this particular thing. And, you know, I'm... I can go either way with Scott Adams, but uh, he's he's made some good points lately. Take a listen to this one. This is at what, the 12 minute, 52 second mark. It's like two and a half minutes long. A great point made on this particular article. Listen to this. Yeah, help how funny it looks. Let me give you another. Hold on. Uh, apparently, some Congress people are sleeping in the Capitol instead of walking home at night because a number of them live within walking distance. Do you know why? Do you know why they sleep at the Capitol lots of times instead of walking home? It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous to walk a few blocks to their house. Too dangerous. Yeah. Now, and uh, one of them says it would be crazy to have a car, to even own a car in D.C., because it's definitely going to get broken into or stolen. These are the people who are running the country who are afraid to go outdoors because that's how well they're running the country. You're running the country so well that you can't walk outdoors in the capital of the country. Oh, and, and let me also just say that this is, when we're talking about Washington, D.C., out of all of the jurisdiction that the feds have completely overreached and taken away our independence in that respect, they have almost no jurisdiction outside of D.C., a few square model, miles of swampland, in Maryland, okay, D.C., that's what they have jurisdiction over. Wherever the hell they plant a post office, they have jurisdiction, and they also have jurisdiction over territories that have not been settled into states yet, okay? So this is an actual, this is a natural place. This is a place where they have natural and constitutional jurisdiction, and uh, it's still, it's a hellhole. 
it's a complete hellhole. Good work, guys. Hey, this good, is a good job. Good point coming up. You though, can't so. go outside and you can't own a car. Remember when they said you won't own anything and you'd be happy? Well, these guys look pretty happy and they can't own a car. And they apparently have an apartment somewhere, but they can't use it. because It's too dangerous to get to it. But they seem happy. I don't know. They seem happy is what I'm saying. So I think uh, Klaus was right. They can't own a car. They can't walk to their apartment, so there's no point in owning it. And they seem happy. So I think that prediction came true. Won't own anything. Um, so you know what the irony is if people are staying in the capital to stay safe? That on January 6th, we were worried about the, uh, the politicians who were hunkered down inside the capital. Do you know what would have been more dangerous than being hunkered down inside the capital while a band of angry people, some of them violent, were trying to get to them? What's the one thing that would be more dangerous than that? Walking to their apartments. Yeah, good point. It is a good point. You know, got to give credit where credit's due. So that's going on. All right, here's another little something for you. Then I want to take some calls. And as if you don't know, I've taken the phone number with me. Phone number is with me, ladies and gentlemen. It's 914-200-0269. I want to take some more calls from you all. Uh, in the couple of minutes that we have before Timothy Gordon shows up, just say, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Your observances over the weekend so far. Has it been a washout, a rainy washout like over here? I kind of like the rain this time of year, especially. I'm down with it. Anywho, let's get into this next point. This is a really weird one. This is from the AP. Police found 115 bodies at Colorado Green Funeral Home while investigating putrid smells. A green funeral home. God forbid. Can you imagine bringing your your uh, your great aunt to a green funeral home to be composted? Ugh. Colorado. The awful smell seeped from a neglected building in a small Colorado town for days. Followed by a report that made police take a closer look at the green funeral operator's storage facility. Inside, they made a gruesome discovery. At least 115 decaying bodies. Investigators were tight-lipped Friday about exactly what they found inside the Return to Nature funeral home in Penrose, Colorado. Goodbye. Never. I Listen, I would be dead. You know, you say, well, listen, you're dead. You're not going to care what happens to you at that point. I would care. I will haunt you if you bring me to anything that sounds like return to nature funeral home. I'll haunt you. It'll happen. In Penrose, Colorado. But their plans to bring it in uh, teams usually um, usually deal with airline crashes, coroners, and jurisdictions. The FBI point to a grim mess. A state document, meanwhile, alleged funeral home owner John Halford tried to conceal the improper storage of corpses he, but but what, why 115? Why that many? Does a funeral home have that many bodies at any given time? Are you serious? Halford acknowledged that he had a problem at the property. The Colorado Office of Funeral Home and Crematory Registration Letter said the document did not elaborate on the taxidermy and alleged improper storage of remains. Taxidermy? A state document, meanwhile, alleged funeral home 
owner, John Halford, tried to conceal the improper storages of corpses. He claimed he was doing taxidermy at the facility, according to the state. He's doing taxidermy for people? Is that like when people have those awful, morbid funerals? Have you seen some of these funerals where they'll well, they'll have a, a person propped up and held up like on a stage somewhere? And like, like they have a concert and they're on stage. I saw this this other guy, guy he like died in a motorcycle accident or he died. He loved his motorcycle. He died. And then they put him back on his motorcycle. The wake was him fixed onto a motorcycle. Is that considered human taxidermy? Or is something else going on here? This is, this is messy. I hate this. I hate it. I wish that when we died, we just went, we put poof into a small cloud of confetti. That's what I wish. Because this sucks. No one had been arrested or charged. Text messages to the funeral home seeking comment went unanswered. No one at the business picked up the phone. There was no, uh, there was no one working. So again, it's, uh, it's horrible. Nobody, nobody has, and there's nothing here about why so many, why so many people just improper refrigerated refrigeration, but still 115, the company charged 1895. That's $1,895 for a natural burial. What is it? Burials without embalming. Okay, metal caskets or using biodegradable caskets, shrouds or nothing at all, according to its website. Okay, so, you know, like our grandparents used to say, just throw me in the garbage. Just throw me in the garbage pail when I'm done. You know? Yeah, give, I'll give, give me $2,000. I'll bury your loved one in my backyard and I won't even put them in a box. Oh, thank you. It's the way he would have wanted it. Oh. Gosh. Anywho, so that's behind us now. Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that to us tonight, tonight, Frank? Well, because it's uh, it's it's Halloween. It's Halloween season. We got to get weird. Got to get a little weird here. Okay, what else do we have? Oh, now this is a little bit more on um, on on Israel now. Hamas kidnapping Israeli citizens. This is from World Net Daily. Babies being taken by terrorists. First thing I thought when I saw this was babies in incubators. I've seen moms with babies being taken by terrorists. As a mother myself, I can't even comprehend that it's actually real. Israelis reacted with shock and horror in response to Hamas's surprise Saturday attack that has resulted in numerous deaths and missing persons. Hamas breached the border separating Gaza from uh, southern Israel Saturday, firing thousands of rockets, killing at least 100 people so far, injuring hundreds more, and taking an unknown number of Israeli soldiers and civilians hostage, according to the Associated Press. The war has put the country at a standstill. Four Israelis living in Israel told the Daily Caller News Foundation. So that's the thing. They're taking it so serious that it's been declared a war. It's been declared a war. And like I said before, the uh, United States has approved now. This is a statement by Anthony Blinken, the, the Department of State. United States unequivocally condemns a lot of condemnations today. Very impressed by them all. Everybody's condemning one thing or another. 
and um, taking their turns and then going back to their phone and reloading Twitter every 15 minutes to see how many people are liking them. This is never any justification for terrorism. We stand in solidarity. And they have approved $4.5 billion emergency military aid package for Israel. Now, I got to say, man, I got to say, I know that this is just the beginning of this, and it's only going to tack on to whatever the hell, is, hell else is going on. But I am just, I have no more capacity to care about anything outside of this country to a, to the especially to the degree that these two specific groups of people are always fighting and for various reasons and reasons not totally uh unique you know when it comes to how the world has been chopped up conquered reconquered taken swindled this and that over and over and over again um i, I just i have i'm having a hard time paying attention to anything school shootings anything that isn't going on it it's it's a very very rough rough thing um because you know you are shown an endless thread of people getting brutalized on twitter all day today so i I stopped going on that as soon as i saw what was going on just war dead people people being taken out of cars put into cars all the uh, the varied comments and commentary attached to it all. And I'm just saying, I grew up, even when I didn't know anything about what was going on in the Middle East or anything like that, I grew up just knowing the Israelis and the Palestinians, they hate each other, and they're always fighting. And here we are, always, uh, always in a position where we're supporting somebody or both parties at the same time, and then there is just... Uh, endless amounts endless amounts of things to spend money on and to get beaten over the head with and um and bullied with to be honest now i don't want anybody fighting i hate war but you know it's a little it's a little disconcerting over and over again that we are being made to take sides on things that are so far away that really have nothing to do with us and at the same time uh we are constantly browbeaten for taking any kind of interest in our own heritage in preserving our own countries our own homes you know it's i can't stand that i'm not i don't link arms who am i gonna link arms with right now i so this is only just the beginning i'm sure that we're gonna keep up with it because uh a hundred people dead that is not enough to move the needle that's not enough to move the needle. And you know that this is going to be such a big public fiasco on top of the fact that people are going to be uh, fighting and dying again. So makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. One thing leads to the next and there's always something. But um, but I'd love to hear what you have to say about that at some point at least. Other than this, I have a few other things that I wanted to do with you all. Uh, there was a little bit of a, there's a lot going on at the Vatican right now, as far as New World Order goes, One World Religion, Agenda 2030 machinations. So that is going to be something I talk with Timothy Gordon about, aside from just chilling out. Um, 
But yeah, you know what? In the meantime, it's 917. I got time for a couple of calls. 914-914-200-0269. Who's going to make history? Who's going to be the first one to hang out with me? Call in. The first one to call in during a, I would I would say, an official, quite frankly, show. I don't want to call this a test stream. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of production notes I give myself over the course of the next couple of days of analyzing what went right and wrong over here. And a lot of the work I still have to do with the video encoder and things. But um, call it a soft opening. That's what I say. Soft opening, 914-200-0269. Would love to take your call. Let's go. First one up is 516. What's going on, 516? Frank. Yeah, who's this? Oh, you're not going to believe it. It's Moses in Long Island. Moses, how the hell are you doing, man? Hey, what's up, brother? How you been, my man? Oh, it's all well, I've, I've been been right where you left me man is the, is the uh no nah, i never left i never left i just been crazy you know i got four kids and i got a fifth on the way now well that's what i'm and, saying uh, that's what i'm saying I, I was just about to ask how's the family and now you're saying that a, a, a fifth is arriving when i can't even wink at her without getting her pregnant anymore frank it's oh, crazy man that no, that's <laughs> I, I i don't know if that's good or bad because you know the uh the <laughs> winking isn't as fun as the other thing yeah, yeah, you ain't kidding now. But uh, everybody's good, man. My son, my four-year-old's playing football with the seven-year-olds, knocking kids on their ass. It's, it's beautiful. It's the best, the best thing I've ever done is to have kids, man. Uh, but other than that, man, I just got, just got to say, man, I've been keeping an eye on you whenever I could, and uh, you, you're kicking ass, bro. I'm proud of you, man. And uh, yesterday, I'm calling in right because yesterday I saw the weirdest, funniest shit ever. Right, I'm crossing the street uh, from Seven Eleven to get to a CVS. And uh, I get stuck in between the light, right? So I'm right in the middle of this highway. And p guess what pulls up? What? Blacked out Cadillac. And right behind the blacked out Cadillac, a nice little black limo, it says, seal of the president of the United States on it. And I'm like, no shit. What? Tell me I just got this lucky. Because I'm not too far from Stony Brook University. And a lot of times the president or, you know, Hillary Clinton visited. I'm thinking, tell me this is my, tell me I really got this lucky. I'm going to see this guy. And I look in the back. And there's a fucking skeleton, <laughs> a skeleton with Ray-Bans oh. on. So somebody's <laughs> driving up and down the island with the fucking limo and a black Cadillac in front, you know, and, and it's got a skeleton with Ray-Bans on it. I now, got a picture of it, too. It's hilarious. Now, I wonder, you know, I, just, I wonder with all the trouble that you can get into impersonating a doctor or a police officer, I wonder if there's going to be a time when somebody tells them to take the seal off of the door. That's the first thing that I thought right away. Because the seal is literally identical to the real one. I'm like, dude, they gotta be, they gotta be running risk of some trouble on this. And you know, but uh, they, it's obviously somebody who's pretty well off because uh, it's a brand new Cadillac, and to have a limo and be able to do all of that. Uh, yeah, man. But it was, it was hilarious to see. And uh, in Long Island over here with Trump land, so I'm sure somebody's up to it. They've well, got some, uh, some businesses. Well, I would. Uh, I, I hope that you and the the family have a good. Go When's the uh, the fifth one going to be um, arriving? In the summertime, it's going to be the first summer, baby. All my kids are from like September four. Oh, September so the, December. So you you just must have like announced this right now, then. This yeah, this just happened there. Basically. Okay. Well, congratulations, Moses. It's good to hear from you again. <laughs> and hope God to hear from bless you again your soon. baby too, man. She's a beautiful girl, man. 
Thank you. Thank you. She was in here helping me test uh, test some equipment today. So she's she's I'm getting her uh, you know, I'm getting her somewhat involved in the family business because I'm going to need some interns, there you, go. you know, going to need an intern at yeah, some point. Go. All right, man. <laughs> keep in touch somehow. All right, Frank. Easy, brother. Later. OK, let's go. Let's take a call. 808, you're on the air. What's going on? Hey, Frank. Who's this? How's it going? Aloha, Brooke in Hawaii. I was going to say, I know that 808 number is uh, is Hawaii after yeah. all the 808 calls I'm I got. A, I'm on the west side of Oahu, Waianae area. Uh, just like to call in and say much aloha. You're doing a great job. Um, you really, you know, you let you listen to people. You let them talk. I love Timothy Alberino, Matt, all the boys. And you're just doing a fantastic job. Um, out here, you know, in Hawaii, we just had the Maui incidences, and now Israel. Um, is this just an all-out attack on humanity? Dude, it, it, I'm glad you bring it up in that respect, because I'm sure that the, I'm sure a lot of people are asking about it and thinking it. I mean, any kind of waning interest there was in the media uh, already uh, Maui is, is old news. Um, yeah. And at least to the media, I, I still check short in term memory, short term. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> and, but even, even uh, Ukraine, Ukraine is not playing with anybody anymore. Now we have this and this, this but has, we're always sending money. I don't know where you we know, get four it. Point, in fact, 4.5 billion. We just sent Lincoln just sent today to Israel. Okay. Yeah. 4.5 to 45. Remember, Trump was holding the, the pistol and doing the the forty five pistol you know, on Judgment Day, Yom Kippur, or whatever. I don't I don't know anything about that, but okay. Yeah, anyway, but, we'll, we'll, we'll drop that. But anyway, but it, it's just funny the numbers. So anyway, we just sent money again, four point five billion. Billions, baby, and billions, yeah. and you know, and this is something that came from uh, a uh, something that came from Anthony Blinken's office. So is it an Absolutely. act of Congress? No, I mean they just. There's just slush funds. There's just money all over the place, and uh, and this is just the start of it. I so I, I don't I I don't know how it all ends. That's the scary part because the well, real... just ask your folks real quick. I'll get off with you, but I love it. But ask your folks, really, what are you doing? Because I'm doing something, and I'll call you another time, and we'll talk about it. But I'm doing a lot, one man against the government right now, especially well, in Hawaii. Email, but email. love the show. Email us or start a thread on the forum. That would be great. Yeah, look for Never S Builders. You got I'll it. I'll email you. Thank you, sir. Be well. Thank you, Frank. Okay. Aloha. Yeah, I got an email. Um, actually, I got a super chat yesterday from American Girl 3, and she had said in her super chat, Hey, guys, I've been radio silent but listening every day. The NPC topic hit close. Most of my family is lost. My mom has suffered two strokes but still insists that the uh, the things are safe and eats mostly vegetarian. I'm at a total loss. Is there anything I can do to help? Just like our caller just said right there, what can people do to help? Well, you are one person, so you have to really keep things in perspective. But as far as things like that, I'm sorry to say that there's very little you can do when it comes to helping people who are not. I mean, you can you can barely drag a horse to water, you know, 
You can barely get them interested to go look at the water these days. I think that we've already had a uh, pretty good sorting out of where everybody is. Uh, and and that's just that's just the case. I, it's a sad case there, too. You just got to love them somehow. You got to love and keep that going. Because we're all walking the walk. Some of us are going somewhere weird, but um, happening one way or another. Let me take a call. 828, you're on the show on a Saturday night from Studio B. Frank, it's Jake's Flakes. What's up, Jake? Oh, Jake's Flakes. What's going on? Hey, man, this is the one that's trying to do the telegram and getting everyone to organize and do a meetup. Oh, oh, so you're, you're, you're from North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. There's a lot of 828s in your listening region. Well, uh, everybody, this is Jake. He uh, and Jake's flakes. You're, that's the that was the the seasoning, right? Yeah, that's one that I sent you in the mail. Yeah, so he makes very good seasoning, and he's also started a quite frankly telegram that 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 deals with North Carolina, or at least that eight to eight area in North Carolina. Uh, you want everybody know? Yes, sir. Go go ahead, North Carolina. Where would somebody from North Carolina find this on Telegram so they can do a meetup? I don't know, man. I'm I'm trying to figure that out. I'm not oh, okay. that intelligent with the. Uh, all right. Well, then, Jake, you got you have to have that all figured out before you come on to plug. Well, it, I got to figure it out. I tried to send some <laughs> links and some some setups with that. So. All right. Well. I got I got it on uh, on uh, build. I'm trying to get a Franklys and uh, Franciscans of Western North Carolina on pill.net. Okay. Well, whenever you have that all set, what you should do is get into the Gilded and and, and get the Gilded? Yeah, is get, that the best? Yeah, well, that's where most people hang out all day. Uh, Telegram, there's really nothing to do. Anyway, Jake's Flakes, find him, 828. He'll be hanging out with you all in the Gilded sometime soon. All right. Now, let me get over to, where the hell's the participants here? Hold on. For some reason, there is an issue with the um, the Zoom, and I want to get this this link over to Timothy Gordon real quick. Boom, new link. Oh wait, he's he thinks he's in. Let's see. He's in a personal meeting room. Remember, everybody, there's just certain things that I'm getting worked out over here. Oh, one of them is this. At the other, at the, the the main studio, Studio A, I have three big monitors in front of me. And when I do a Zoom call, because uh, OBS is very bad with window capture and they can't capture an actual Zoom meeting window, I have to go, I have to go screen capture. So I have to dedicate an entire uh, monitor to just screen capturing a zoom call. And that's how I'm able to actually get that into, into the way that the, the show works. I only have two monitors over here. So what I did yesterday, it shows up tomorrow is I bought myself a little $89 14 inch screen that goes mini HDMI to HDMI. So I should be able to use the last HDMI port on this computer over here 
to get a little mini 13 inch screen that I can put just off to the side. And that's where I will be able to put all of my zoom calls to free up these monitors again. See $89. That's all. Does it work? I hope so. I really do. I just sent you a new link. Email. So we'll see that what happens there. Um, on the other side of things, there is the Vatican. Well, there's a, there's something else. There's genetics. Did you see this? Did you see this right here? Genetics firm 23andMe says user data stolen in credential stuffing attack. As if you needed another reason to distrust 23andMe, aside from the, the family that owns it. 23andMe has confirmed on bleeping computer that it is aware of user data from its platform circulating on hacker forums and attributes the leak to credential stuffing attack. So, I don't know. Just don't send your DNA there. Pick another place. On the other hand, like I said before, though, Pope Francis got a real problem with this guy. We got a real issue here. Claims no migrant emergency in Europe and suggests individualism is the problem. No migrant emergency. None whatsoever. Just individualism. Now, I'm going to talk about this and more with my good friend Tim tonight. Tim, do you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, What's man. Up, okay. Now, do you see me, too? I hear you. I see you. I'm here with you. Okay, this is going This is going well so far. This is the first time I'm doing this. Timothy's on. Oh, wow. We look great together. This is good. <laughs> this looks good. Good to see you, man. Well, good to see you in the new digs. Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, I gave you, I gave you and Steph a little bit of a tour of what's going yes. on. I just wish that people can see, have any kind of a, a glimpse of my, my, my private stock book collection over here. This is where all the private stock stuff is. This is where the Timothy Gordons are, everything else. I mean, this is, you know, things that I don't want my in-laws walking through the the apartment <laughs> saying, what are you reading? What but, is that? Yeah. That's sweet. Oh, I got to see it. I don't know about your in-laws. No, I, well, well, you know, that stuff is, they, they saw that. But it's more so the Davos man stuff. The Davos man. Uh, and then, of course, we go into Bill Cooper, um, you know, Behold a Pale Horse. I got a lot of really, this is where all my conspiracy stuff is and my New World Order um collection which is what we have to talk about tonight because um francis and the vatican i need i need you to catch me up to speed because all i hear about is the so-called synod that is about to begin or is has begun and that there is a lot of changes there's it's it's all agenda 2030 uh recognizable um tenants of that that plan and i i just want to know what's happening and exactly what could be done in this next I don't know, this play. What is a synod, by the way? A synod's a meeting. Uh, I think of Ella, Lord of the Rings, the, you know, an entmoot is like a, a meeting in Middle English. But here, here's the thing. The 2023 first day opening synod uh, uh, speech on Wednesday talked all about synodality. It's called the synod on synodality. No one knows what the fuck synodality is. You know, it's like if you you make up an abstract noun out of anything and what they, the radicals that are running this thing, say synodality means 
is uh, there's a grammar of synodality that allows the Holy Spirit to surprise us with innovations to the 2,000-year teachings of public revelation, teachings of our Lord. So synod is an old process. It's like a meeting of bishops. It's not quite an ecumenical council where it has uh, meaning per force of itself, the way an ecumenical council like Vatican II does but it's a, a more local meeting of bishops. It's a kind of old thing, mostly used in the Eastern Church, not so much the Latin Church. But um, at Vatican II, in the last document of Vatican II, Lumen Gentium, they say we're going to use the synod in a new way. And now we're 50, you know, 58, 59 years in, well, the, the, using it in a new new way. Well, take uh, yeah, speaking of new, and like you are just saying, can you please expand on what it means to be surprised by the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? That sounds very scary right there after however many thousands of years to say, you know what, we're going to leave the uh, the window open for the Holy Spirit to surprise the hell out of us. Like it's going to happen. Right, I, for some reason, I have a feeling it's going to happen right now. I mean, that, that in itself right. is ridiculous. It is. It is. Um I think I think any anyone can tell what an apparatchik means when they say surprise. Whether Francis is or is not the Pope, Archbishop Vigano thinks he's not. Uh, I think he probably is. He's still an apparatchik, and when apparatchiks say, "Oh, hold on, I'm going to get pinged from the Holy Spirit," um, it just means they're going to attempt to reform the irreformable. That's what radicals always mean. Um, the other day on Friday, Diane Montaigne, excellent LifeSite News reporter was there at the Synod at the press briefing. They're not letting any information in or out. There's an oath of silence. But she was there and she said, how do you know that all of these surprises, which are going to turn out to be reforming the irreformable teachings of the church that can't be changed, how do you know they're from the Holy Spirit? How do you know they're not from demons? And the response that um, one of the synodal uh, generals gave her with such a laugh and said, oh, because I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's in the creed. That's how I know. She's like, but how do you know it's the Holy Spirit you're hearing from? And the 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 broad that broke in said, sorry, we have to go to the next question. So it's, it's an obvious question. What Francis is doing 10 and a half years into his pontificate is not that subtle anymore. The mask is off. I'd love to, I don't, I don't want to talk like just through the history of Francis's pontificate. But at some point, it would be helpful to, as Edward Penton, another goodly Catholic reporter, um, he said, you have to understand the 2014 and 2015 synods that Francis used right when he was in this, the chair, when he was new, when this is a fresh pontificate, to understand what he's doing here. Maybe maybe there's time for that, maybe not. I, but, um, I Well, here's what I would, have, I would say. What I would ask next is, what exactly now are these things that we may be surprised surprised about? So, what ex, uh, um, from a windswept house standpoint, you and I we did the first, quite frankly, book club together. Windswept house. I think that it was incredibly insightful. I think that everything that has come out of that city, Vatican City, since then has been. I, I almost feel like I have an inside. I have an inside line on to why this is going on and where it's all leading. Uh, that book was full of um, very, very blatant 
um, uh, you know, plots that are interwoven these globalist geopolitical forces, banks, politicians, and then, of course, just outright uh, devil worshipers that are all interwoven together, and they have seen churches, they've seen banks and governments and all that as centers of power that can be seized and then also melded into their plan and then put forth something new for the entire planet. So from that standpoint, what are we seeing here as far as uh, social engineering uh, and cultural cultural uh, shifts that is going to be in, uh, uh, impacted by whatever these new plans are at the Synod? What, what are they looking at? Is it, is it woman priests? Is that it again? That's one of them. That's one of them, Frank. Uh, I'm going to try to tie threads together pithily. In 2014, the second year of Francis's pontificate, uh, one of the good guys in the church, one of the cardinals called Wal uh, Walter Brandmuller, said, look, um, we got to talk about the Sankt Gallen Mafia. That's one of uh, yours and my favorite things to talk about, and it ties very closely to Windswept House. There's this group of shadowy, far-left cardinals that have interloped and are called call themselves the Sankt Gallen Mafia. They have an agenda. Cardinal Brandmuller, who's one of the four original dubia cardinals from 2016, asked Pope Francis uh, dubia questions. But what? The hell you say? Can you answer? Are you saying this with a yes or a no? That's a dubia. Mm. And um, Francis never answered those for Dubia, you might might or might not remember this from around the first conversations we had. Walter Brandmuller was one of those four Dubia cardinals, along with Cardinal uh, Raymond Raymond Cardinal Burke. They're the two of four surviving Dubia cardinals. Two, the other two of the four died, waiting for a responsum from Pope Francis. Never got it about uh, things that were going on in the 2014 and 2015 synods before lots of people knew how evil this pontificate would be. Um, that guy, the good guy, Walter Brandmuller said, look, the Sankt Gallen agenda, the shadowy mafia of cardinals that gave us Francis and seemed to control Francis, they want these few things. It's all sexual teaching. They want to come in. They want to change. They want to get communion for the divorced and civilly remarried. That is what they tended to right away with the 2014-2015 synods and Francis's post-synod document called Amoris Laetitia. They got that. And he's calling this in 2014. Next, women deacons and priests. It's all sexual in nature. Thirdly, um, let priests marry. Uh, that's the third item. That one's the only one that is not actually dogmatically closed. The, some Eastern Rite Catholic priests can get married it's not a dogma that they can't. It's just a discipline. The first two, no divorce, and therefore you can't receive communion if you're remarried after a divorce. That's that's a hard and fast close. No, that's from scripture. That's from all 20 centuries of teaching. Same thing, no uh, women uh, ordained. That's, that's, that's non-negotiable. So Walter Brandmuller says, this is what you can expect from Francis's pontificate, because like windswept house, this Gallen group, this Sankt Gallen Mafia group in the Cardinalate are very powerful. And while one of the bad guys had put forward this plan for communion for the divorce and civilly remarried in 1982, um, 
And, and Owen was one of the characters, Walter Casper, I think. I think he was one of the characters in Windswept House. There are three or four Gollum group characters that were on that character key. He tried it with JP2. JP2 shut him down, and JP2 is like, you can't do this. It's 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 a defide no. It's a categorical no. So how did Brandmuller call out what they're doing? Well, because he knew that the Francis Pontificate is the Gollum group's agenda. It is their time to shine. So um, it's interesting because the shadowy group within the church is precisely that shadowy group within the cardinalate described in Windswept House. It's a generation later, because we're talking about guys that, that formed in the late 90s with the specific intent of avoiding a Ratzinger papacy following upon John Paul II's papacy. Ratzinger was his doctrinal chief, JP2's. He's barely represented in Windswept House, which I told you time and time again when we read that book. The strangest damn thing about this is in the character key, Ratzinger appears like twice. And I did—I don't even have his name memorized, his fictitious name memorized in that fake character to real character character key that we are going on. Um, and that was weird because the Gollum group, their main enemy, they hated JP2. They saw him as more of a conservative than conservatives do. Uh, which often happens, but they were really afraid of Ratzinger, and they started meeting in 1996. Remember the conclave which gave us Fran uh, Benedict, Ratzinger's papacy was 2005. They met for nine years to discuss how to avoid, how to get any other pope into office besides Ratzinger, and guess who was second in the voting in the 2005 conclave, even though no one knew who the fuck he was? Mario, Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Um, and uh, we've talked a few times about how, even though he missed out in 2005 before anyone knew who he was, this no name from Buenos Aires, he came second in the voting. And suddenly between the third and the fourth votes called scrutinies at that 2005 conclave before the smoke goes up out of St. Peter's, there was a strange lunchtime occurrence between those third and fourth votes where the leader of the Gollum group, Cardinal Carlo Martini, was seen walking arm in arm with Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. They don't like each other. And after, then, then lunch broke, they went back, they had the fourth scrutiny, and all of the Gollum votes went to Ratzinger. It would give us the Benedict XVI pontificate, but it would be cut short after eight and a half years. And people have surmised, was there some deal worked out? We'll let you have the pontificate for some time, but we've got our guy who keeps running second here in 2005. He's going to be first in that 2013 conclave, at which point you'll retire. Who knows? Maybe that could happen, but it was an agenda all along by this Gollum group, and they're basically the same people you're talking about in Windswept. So Francis, uh, so I, I had myself muted. <laughs> they are still learning this new board. So Francis is essentially the uh, the, the Catholic... Um, uh, Obama, out of, out of nowhere, obviously anointed, and yeah, that's that's incredible. You know, I'm, now you got me thinking about that book, Tim, and I'm thinking about what's going on right now. And of course, in that book, there was a lot, a lot about Russia. There was a lot about uh, uh, we started getting in that Ukraine area there. Then, of course, there is the Antonio Sochi book about uh, about Ukraine. It opens up with Ukraine and Benedict and what was going on with the with John Podesta. 
the uh, the and and Vigano keeps bringing up Podesta and keeps talking about hey remember who these people are uh, especially in that last video that he did that he declared apostasy um, but you know the I think about Ukraine and this whole whatever the hell's going on here whoever is running the show over here is obviously running the show over there and Ukraine was a very valuable satellite location for the deep state and then you have and then you have Israel is also something that that creeps up first of all in windswept house that's where all the new uh freemason initiate uh, initiates were going to take their they were getting initiated there you remember they went to this uh this this og temple in israel i think that's where oh, it was yeah i forgot about that yeah so both yeah. of these areas obviously hot spots it, it everything is feels so tense right now man um to wake up this morning and have an all-out war, just an all-out war has now sprung up again. And, you know, the, it's the usual suspects, but yeah. it's uh, still, I don't know. That's why I wanted to have you on tonight and just talk about where you feel the world is going because we see the, uh, the, the, the I don't know, all, all the chips on the board are being moved simultaneously. You got all this stuff. Everyone... Have you noticed everyone's such a fucking know-it-all on Iran, uh, on Israel? I don't know what's going on over there. I don't trust the media. I don't trust the popular narrative. But I don't know how everyone on the Israel-Palestinian rapport uh, is is so confident. I, I wanted your take on it, actually. You know, there are things that you can jump into. I've got plenty of books on that, too. There are things you can talk about as far as the um the histories the long histories as far as where we are right now for anybody to be able to claim their uh their independence and their agency back in this world at this point what the world tends to throw at an average person is this idea that you have missed out on so much or you are not able to comprehend the complexity of the situation therefore you have no reason to have an opinion on anything and you should just shut up and keep funding what we say is right and what is and avoid what is wrong and when it comes to things like israel palestine ukraine the eu in general uh iraq afghanistan at the time uh what's going on in cuba what's going on every you know china taiwan it gets to a point where I'm sorry, I'm not being cold-hearted when I'm saying we don't have, even if we had the money and the time, it is not our business. We have made right. everything our business. Uh, there's, everybody is a, is a bastard. Everybody has their, has their skeletons. Some of them are more horrifying than others. But at the same time, what this is our, our responsibility to constantly be jumping from one lily pad to the other, putting another foreign flag in our Twitter accounts, uh, our bios every other every couple of months. Like I, I don't give a shit about the foreign flags anymore. I know that they represent human beings, and I know that there is war and strife and problems all over the world, but we've got that right here. We've got that right here, right now. It is serious shit, and... I, I don't have the capacity anymore uh, where this used to be like, oh, we got to do something. I don't have, I don't, that does not live inside me anymore. It just doesn't. So right. Right. I don't know. Right. No, it's true. It, it's true. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much it ever did live inside of me. I'm by nature isolationist, but I, I'm much more, I look at it much more suspiciously now. What, what, 
what's going on? We woke up this morning and I'm like, what's happening? I, I mean, I, it all, all, here's the certitude. I mean, to bring it back, I wasn't trying to get you off topic. It's no, just... no, this is it. This is the topic tonight. The, the title of the show is Hell is Empty and All the Devils Are Here. And it's just, there's chaos everywhere, man. It's, it, it, and it takes every form. It does. It, it does. The certitude is we, I'm a lifelong conservative, right? Lifelong. Some of the, the obvious staple issues, no, no change, but. Like so many people, COVID was a giant wake up for me. On and I, I, I saw, I saw the game very, very early on with COVID. I, I remember the night I figured it out way before the lockdown in March of 2020. But it's like, oh, all this shit that we always heard about elites really run the world. I thought that was like a leftist, socialist adjacent talking point, and I feel like everyone together on the right realized sometime in the year 2020 on Domini that elites really do run the world. And then all this other stuff that was always in the background, lies that I bought began to clarify like, oh yeah, a world war. I know about subsidiarity, the teaching that local is good, small is good, small states are good, Governing local is the only thing that's moral because it's a natural principle. The mm -hmm. ref in position should be the only one to make the call. Um, but I never realized how absurd the idea of a world war is. It has to be engineered by WEF types, by EU globalist types. It has to be because yeah. no one gives an honest shit about something going on a, a global way. You can, as a Christian, abstractly say, I hope no one's getting killed, but I don't care. And so all the, the world wars, you start getting red-pilled too, just, just on the principle of, oh, wow, they, they really did lie about the other stuff in 2020. And they're probably lying about world wars. They're probably lying about Middle Eastern skirmishes. You look into that a little bit and you get a little more red-pilled. They're probably lying about everything. So why would the conservatives that you know, got red-pilled in 2020 or 2021, believe what they're telling us about Ukraine or now Israel. All I know is it's a giant super PAC, but it's not that, it's, it's giant in power, but it's small by population of people inside the church. Like Vigano said, it's a, it's a deep church with a deep state, like Podesta insinuated in that Sochi book quite, quite directly. And it's, it's a very small few that kind of control everything and they spin the media and it's happening right now downstairs. I came from the kitchen where my wife was cooking and we turned on Fox news for the first time in uh, three years. And it was like, they're spinning it right now, man. These are the WEF elites that I don't know what the angle is, but I know that there is an angle. I know. Yeah. That it's Sarah. It, it's um, it's, it's pretty frightening because of the, I, I think the pace at which it all is crawling at this point because there is just nothing nothing has time to simmer obviously you had the the Russia Ukraine thing that's been going on for now you know February 2024 it's going to be 2 years so yeah. you you think about how that's been dragged out and again I like you say you know from from a Christian standpoint from a moral standpoint there are people out there you know who contemplate the lives that are being impacted whether they have faith in or, or they're religious or not but it, it's it it's silly to pretend 
to you're like you like you're you're up at night thinking about everybody else around the five thousand miles, seven thousand miles away. You know what you're doing. You're prior. You're you're prioritizing what exactly you're supposed to do. Yourself. The only way the world takes a a step towards stability is if individuals prioritize themselves, their their family, and therefore, and then spilling outward into their community, and that is reciprocated, and that there is strong culture, and there's and that is what what keeps us going. I mean, this, this is what we're. Um, this is what we need to do to actually fix the world. Instead, everybody is being pulled away from taking care of their homes, and 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 by extension, their actual their home nation, and giving all that up to have their attention completely, gal all the the attention just attracted. Like there's just this there's this magnetic pull. Everybody's attention has to be pulled into one location. They're uh they're uh. Their consent has to be manufactured, and then away to the uh, the laundromat we go again. So I I just it's not about not caring that people are being taken advantage of or brutalized in a far off land, and that nobody's coming to their help. Well, you know what? That's usually the time when people have to either fight or they 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 disappear. That's what happens to everybody, and it's happening over here. I mean, we're not fighting. We're being slowly erased. We're not fighting back. We're not doing anything to 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 uh, to regain any footing in the West. We're, we we are committing suicide. We think it's and we think it's altruistic, and it's not. It's just pathetic. So it, I I don't. Um, all of this stuff really just does not play with me anymore. No, no, it doesn't. Like like you're saying. I mean, I, I keep recurring to this word subsidiarity to restate exactly what you're saying, which is. Literally, uh, Pius, Pope Pius XI, one of the good ones in the 20th century, said, it is a grave evil. That means for non-Catholics, it's a mortal sin for any larger sphere government to uh, hijack the legislative field of any more local government that is within its competency. That means it's a, gr it's a grave evil for municipal government to take over any of the legislative fields, any of the possible uh, uh, modes of governance of a household father who really should be governing most of the things in a, a young boy or girl's life. The, the laws come from your father. You can only take that over at municipal laws, at the level of municipal lawfare, if, um, if it's outside the competence of the father. And then same thing, municipal government pays state government. The, the municipal government has the next right of uh, refusal. And then state government gets it before national government, right? And, and so there's really only the leftovers for national government because you're moving, you're zooming out in scope. It's not just geography. There's a moral ontology to the zoom out function. And it's actually a natural law principle. It's not just a, a Catholic teaching. It's a natural law principle. Who gets, who makes the call in a basketball game? The, the ref who's right near the, the player who might or might not have stepped out of bounds. You don't want the guy on the other end of the court making the call. So that's not like a Catholic teaching. That's just common sense or what we call natural law principle. Mm. What's happening even at the level of the synod on synodality now, um, since that's, that's really what you wanted me to talk about, is Pope Francis 
is taking through these this agenda with these these big items he's taking personal responsibility away from the uh, you know individuals taking moral onus away from them saying no you're allowed to do these things that have for 2000 years been considered moral sins don't worry and he's transferring our focus onto by definition literally the global issues yeah. the the first morning of the synod on Wednesday Frank the 4th he published the sequel to Laudato Si, which was his environmental environmental encyclical. Super, super ridiculous. I've seen you cover uh, that over the years. Yeah, yeah. I just always have kind of mocked it. It wasn't as subversive as some of the other things, uh, papal magisteria that he's promulgated, but it was just it's just typical leftist talking points and it's typical padding for agenda 2030 in the run-up to globalism. Well, this is the morning of the opening day of this big synod on synodality. He just publishes this, and he's calling for specifically more onerous, more rigorous, mandatory legislation um, toward basically population control, at least climate control, all over the world, every nation. That So he he's lending his hand to the global elites, shift uh, inverting subsidiarity and saying we're going to govern from a global order not from a local order subverting the natural law okay. and this is why i love doing these these um these check-ins with you because honestly as we have said many times before it's just at, at this point it's becoming of a global interest for everybody to know what's going on and especially and especially uh especially in places like vatican city because if you're a if you're a Catholic and you care about the state of of your church, then that's one thing. Um, but if you are also just somebody who is seeing that the world is cracking, but it's also the pieces that flake apart are being rearranged on the table and turned into something else, and you want to know what the hell that thing is that is being made Frankenstein together, then you have got to understand what is going on in, in in places like uh vatican city like london like washington dc you got to put them all together and then of course right. all their ngo subsidiaries and every think tank and and uh you know uh it's it, every institution over the years that has tried to put this stuff to get the cobbled it together you know you're talking about isolationism before isolation the whole idea of isolationism is actually something that is not true about america you know that's something that we've been given uh, given as all oh, we were isolationists no we, we were we were neutral on on matters of war you know we we try not to get in we were you know merchants and friendly neighbors with all but as far as this whole thing world war one is the perfect example you were saying that world wars are something that would is prime for red pilling because what the hell goes into the coordination of getting an entire planet or a portion of a planet, a really big portion of a planet involved in the same conflict on multiple continents? That is a lot of coordination. And you know what? Uh, World War I is one of those things. I mean, there's a confluence of issues that came together and really created the, um, created the conditions for, uh, for, for that war. But one of the biggest ones were all of these overlapping treaties. It was globalism. Globalism was the real thing that brought that war, made that war possible. Because once one treaty was triggered, 
Once one alliance was triggered, everything, everybody in the world was triggered into it. So um, that's that was not a war of isolationism. That, that was the first war globalism. Yeah, I mean, think about remember studying it as a kid. I mean, I was always a good student. Like, oh, Archduke Ferdinand was assassinated, and and it started World War One. I. I remember as an eighth grader being like, and you know, like I, yeah, people get assassinated every day. That that sucks. It sucks for them. I, I'm I'm to some extent sincerely sorry. But what? How does this represent? the interests of all the world to be involved in a, a war by definition it's a zero sum not everyone's interest can be improved um so it, then you think about it's weird i woke up thinking about this yesterday morning war, world war one specifically it's odd because it's actually not a bunch of separate agents like manufactured consent it's not like, oh, it's half a world's worth of manufactured consent. It really is probably a dozen or at most two dozen parties that got together and were like, we're going to have World War One. And um, I, I, I don't I don't think it's it might be as different as people suppose about World War Two. Well, it is also a, 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 uh, a product of the time, too. You know, and when I when I say that, I mean technologically to be able to coordinate this kind of a thing industrially to coordinate this kind of a thing. World War One was the first really mechanized war. You start seeing that coming on in. There's there's the the first appearance of planes that were being used, tanks to a degree, but you still had cavalry charges. You know, you still that was, it was a very odd war in that respect, where you had a, one leg in the old world and one leg in the new. And as uh, Smedley Butler would talk about in Wars a Racket, it, it, that is an incredible read. It'll take you one sitting, one afternoon, and he pointed that all out there too. You want to talk about the, the special interest, the very few people that can put together a war of that magnitude, especially if, if they have the right contacts. And uh, uh, because once you get the ball rolling, then there are other levels of people who never want the war to end just because of how much money they're making, create making boots and making one thing or another. It's a, uh, it's a tremendous industry and it has never stopped growing. So that's definitely part of it because outside of just, you know, robbing the world of its young men and robbing the world of its, of its, uh, of its money, you also have the ability to wield that kind of that industry into 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 manipulating the world into a, a new kind of order that you are really at the top of the pecking order forever. Um, so it's very influential as far as building and and uh, societal engineering goes, and it's also the greatest swindle mankind uh, has ever seen. Because and, and well, up until this point, because the light the latest world war brought to you by COVID. That was a true world war. Geographically speaking, World War One, World War Two did not have the entire planet embattled. You know, it, it, it was just such a large scale war that we can call it a world conflict. COVID got every. I mean, I, I they probably had COVID protocols in Antarctica. I have to imagine. You know, they, like every yeah. continent was pulled into this, and it was far more damaging far more damaging because it was a psychological uh, war uh, first and foremost. So it, yeah. it, it continues to evolve for them. Perfectly ubiquitous world war. 
not World War One or World War Two. You're absolutely right. You could go on a walk during COVID, and it was a perfectly ubiquitous. It wasn't all manufactured consent because there were dissenters. You know, forty percent of people, not even just conservatives. But you'd go for a walk, and if you heard someone had an open window or an open door, one of your neighbors, they have the news on, and it's just all the world was talking about the same thing. Think of the tremendous bandwidth that's required by that that you couldn't couldn't have been done in 1917 or 1941 with World Wars One and Two. And I do this does um, lead naturally. It beggars uh, a kind of. I think I see light at the end of the tunnel, right? It might be a black pill, but I think I see the big picture. Malachi Martin, the author of Windswept House, I'll always talk to Art Bell about a quickening. And there's a kind of Hegelian moment in this as well, you know, where the phenomenology of Geist, the phenomenology of human spirit, as it culminates with a kind of uh, recycling of all of the world philosophies that have ever gone before, uh, uh, a crowning of world technology, there is a, a, a real crisis of belief. I, I, I mean, I, I think one of the great white pills of becoming an adult is you see, oh, wow, like really, you know, everything's spiritual. You know, I, I was a, a guy in my teens and 20s and I didn't believe anything. But the, the great white pill of adulthood for me, black pills are things like you see how crummy other adults are. They're just middle school kids with middle school politics, except they drive cars and have suits. It's true. That's one of the black pill. But white pill, it's like, wow, I didn't believe in God in my late teens or my my early 20s. But then you see how how childish it is, how puerile to deny that oh everything's about economics that's what turns the world it's not it's all it's all spiritual and it's all thought along the terms of real absolute moral good versus evil i think i think the i think the striking thing is in all this is that there's a quickening and there's a kind of deadline on the world. It can't go on forever. Right. I think about it in terms of Christian doctrine and even what's happening with the Synod, with the Francis Pontificate, which is now 10 and a half years old. He's really waging assault on doctrine as much as he can. He knows that the church has this rigorous way of defending doctrine. If he declares some dogma false, ex cathedra, then he'll be declared an antipope right away. So that's why he can't do it, even though he's maybe the leading leftist in the world now. He has to use all these subtle tricks of weaponized ambiguity. But think about it this way. The the life of the world can't go on much more much longer. I believe this is a Christian because our Lord said that um that that the you know would never leave us. The gates of hell will not prevail against the world. And that also has ep- epistemic implications it means the doctrine will never change in the true religion but kind of like the u.s constitution which was never supposed to change aside from the rigorous amendment process you can really only hope for a secular constitution like the u.s constitution to be unmolested for a century maybe two mm-hmm. you know as a, as a constitutional lawyer uh scholar i i think it really started getting changed 125 years in rigorously well, a sacred constitution, like the, the, the scripture and tradition, 
that is the bimillennial Christian tradition, true teachings, which can't change. They have a little bit more staying power, but how much longer than 2,000 years could they really remain unmolested? And it was really in the middle 1800s, starting in Germany, where all this stuff starts, that they're like, we're going to do an attack on Christian doctrine, change the unchangeable, we're going to have to do it slowly, but it can't stand much longer than two millennia. That's what I'm saying. Do we have another millennium? I don't think so. And this is where me and you were joking earlier about Ray and Winston's conversation uh, that turns biblical fast. Anytime you want to get adult and get serious and quit fooling around, no more child's play. It gets biblical fast. And it's like the end of the world is nigh. Wait, now I got to want, now I have to get it. Ray and Winston talk religion. Let's do this. Hold on a second. I, I pulled it up. Yeah, but I, I, I have it on my phone, but I figured you'd get it. It's so good. Can you hear that? Good. Even God. Never met him. Well, yeah. And I love Jesus's style. You know, <laughs> this roof cap is made of a magnesium tungsten alloy. What are you so involved with? That? These are the blueprints for the structural ironwork in Dana Barrett's apartment building, and they're very, very strange. Hey, Ray. Do you remember something in the Bible about the last days when the dead would rise from the grave? I remember Revelation 7:12. And I looked as he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood, and the seas boiled, and the skies fell. Judgment day. Judgment day. Dead. Every ancient religion has its own myth about the end of the world myth ray has it ever occurred to you that maybe the reason we've been so busy lately it's because the dead have been rising from the grave how about a little music <laughs> yeah. i'm telling you man that right there that that, that always gets me because gets, hey, yeah <laughs> gets me in the jellies yeah it really does i well, Sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt you. No, 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 no. It's I, I love that scene. And and I and also because you know, Ray, there he is. He is the consummate scientist. He wants to leave it all out there. Every every religion, every faith has their their uh their end myths, their creation myths, their stories, whatever the hell they that that, that constitute their faith. And there's Winston who represents the everyman. He's not, he, you know, I, that, I love Winston's character. Uh, probably, I don't know, probably the most as, after all these years, just because he shows up looking for a job. Hey, you know what? I can get my hands dirty, but he's the, he's the, he's not the science guy. Right. He's just the everyman. And that is just, I think that that once you go and you, you start getting, a, you, you know, uh, immersing yourself into the galaxy brain, part of uh, you know the intelligentsia you kind of lose a little bit of that common sense a little bit of that foundation and everything has to be so you know it's the, you know it's the, it's the trap of the midwit right you have to right. Over, overthink things and suddenly you are uh what is his name neil uh disgraced tyson who's on one podcast or another seriously talking about how we need to start changing the way that we have competitive sports in schools because um you know, girls and boys and blah, blah, blah. You know, he, like he's actually trying to solve 
a ridiculous problem of gender. Like there is no problem. I mean, a midwit gives themselves a problem to solve, you know, and, right. and that is how, you, you know, you create cultural inertia. There's just, you, you just die. It's just cultural death. And that's exactly what's going on here. And the, and the everyman knows it. The everyman knows it. But uh, everybody who's like uh, drawn into that NPC kind of worldview, uh, they're the only ones who think that there's work to be done. You know, there's yeah. no fucking work to be done. What do you? What work has to be done? We are unraveling right now. You got to find yourself a nice, soft place to land. Let me ask you about the tri uh, the uh, tribulation. What What about this? I, I you know, every once in a while, I'll see threads that pop up, pop up and say. You know, tribulation soon, seven years, but first there's going to be a warning. What What is like the main accepted uh, prophetic edge on the uh, the tribulation? Well, th so there's there's that the, a lot of that's got mixed up with Protestant eschatology. And I, I know that you have a, a very wide audience, a, a wider ranging audience uh, demographically than than I do. But um yeah, you get into the rapture and all that stuff that only a, a subsection of certain kinds of evangelical Protestants believe. So when it comes to Revelation, well, boy, it's interesting. There, there's some some great online watches you can you can go to on YouTube, but um it's there, you know, some some of the greatest Catholic scholars have said, look, there's seven ages in the world. Those ones tend to agree we're in the fifth. Now, we don't know how quick it can be because the tribulation is either taken to be very short or very long. Even when we get into Marian um, prophecy for, you know, Catholic, Catholic specific, the apparitional Marian prophecy, it, it, like Fatima, one both of us are very interested in. There's a time of tribulation, but after that, a time of peace involved in the Russia stuff you know russia will spread her airs throughout all the world she said that in 1917 to three illit uh illiterate portuguese kids and um so there seems to be at least a sixth era of the world where things get peaceful again so that's always that's the main thing that stays my hand from being like this is definitely the end is all these catholic scholars that have studied eschatology and studied marian prophecy and said look we're probably in the fifth but who knows? Maybe the sixth is like a day or something. Yeah, it's about it's, it's not it's not my area of expertise, but I'm telling you, it gets me in my jellies when I watch that scene. And I, I intuition strongly tells me you just we just don't have another thousand year. I'm not sure if it's a hundred or two hundred or twenty five, but we know that there are WEF types that are literally trying to end the world as it's ever been known by 2028 2029 for 2030 oh one, one final thing that's based as fuck about the the ray winston talk is one ray is scientician science guy but he can quote scripture chapter yeah. and verse and number two winston has the last word in that scene you, you love that right winston's like i'm not talking myths bro mm. and and then you know Ray doesn't say, oh, it is myths and go all Jordan Peterson. You know, he's like, let's have some music because what you said is heavy and probably right. Like that's that's a very base base part in that movie. The most base part, I think. I um I was looking at well, you you said thousand years, and I'm saying, well, hell, you know, 
we can make all those predictions right now, Tim. And it'll be great thing is that we're not going to be around to, to, to eat crow, but I have to imagine, I, I don't know. There's something telling me too. the year 3000 just doesn't sound like it's, it just, you know, you know how Hemingway said the truth's got a certain ring to it. Yeah. I'm sure somebody would think that the year 2023 sounds like it's a, it's just comical, you know, all oh, that's just, that's, that's just an insanely future. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't, is it possible to ever have to ever reach the year 5,000? I don't think so. At least I don't think that it's going to be the situation where by the year 3000, it's going to be there. There's going to be a year zero again. That's yeah. what I, I real I'm really thinking if you think about everything that is being attempted right now, by absolute mongrels, by the way, especially when you compare them to great thinkers of the past. But the people who have the most resources that are just ready to pounce and do something to the world, they are really mongrel type thinkers and they're they're animals, but they've got they've got resources and they're psychos. So they're willing to do shit. I really do believe if you see what they're trying to do, everything is a reset. They're trying to reset the way that humans interact, the way the humans have babies, the the crazy lab uh, adventures that they're doing with you know splicing people together and and uh, you know uh, duplicate or I should say artificial human embryos that came from three or four different uh, people's uh, donated genetics. There's so many things that are going on right now that constitute a reset on top of the most um, the most obvious, which is geopolitical and also um, economic. That's obvious. You know, there's been several economic resets, and of course, we've seen that happen over here in the U.S. with the coming and going of central banks and civil wars and everything else. But um, but that constitutes a, hey, they want to actually get to year zero. They already don't like using BCAD. Uh, because it, it, it's all centered around Jesus Christ being year zero. Uh, so you know that, that is gonna, they're going to come after it. They're going to have some other kind of... So I don't think that 3,000 will come, even if it's just in the way that it's not going to be counted in the same way going forward linearly we're, that, like we are counting right now. There's going to be a shift in that. Agreed, agreed. But like like Winston says to Ray, I, I'm, not, I, I'm more ambitious than that. I don't see another thousand years, part, partly on intuition. 3,000 sounds funny, but but more than that, the, like I said, the expiry date of, um, of, of dogmatic inerrancy. Um, grace builds upon nature, well, all Christians believe, not just, not just Catholics. I'm not trying to make this just for all your Christian listeners. We have a promise. The gates of hell won't prevail against the unchanging teachings of the truth. Well, for most of those years you know, the 2000, the two millennia of the Christian tradition, there wasn't a direct frontal assault on like the doctrines themselves. There was misunderstanding of the Trinity, you know, with the Nicene Council and Ephesus and Chalcedon. The first thousand years was just straightening out the doctrine from legitimate, authentic, sincere errors in, in understanding. Uh, of of guys that get called heretics that were literally just trying to understand the most difficult proposition in the history of man, which is not a man-made one. It's the idea of a trinity, consubstantiality, three 
three persons, one substance. How the heck do you understand that? So those were legitimate errors that were being dealt with for by the ecumenical councils for the first thousand years of the church. The next 500 years were, were you know, scholastic philosophy and scholastic theology really taking hold and giving a muscular kind of gloss on the basic, the basics of fundamental theology. It's only in the last 500 years since, you know, Martin Luther et al., that things got kind of zany, and it was something like a direct assault on Christian teaching, but really only the last 150, and it's still, it, it always starts in Tübingen, Germany, where there's like, okay, we want to reverse Christian doctrine for the sake of vitiating Christianity, that a kind of revolutionary mindset's taken hold. So it's beautiful that there's been two millennia of of doctrine that hasn't changed in our church. But now that they're going at it really, really directly, it's like the velociraptors have found the, the, the part of the fence that's not electrified. Even though it's it's guaranteed for Christians by the Holy Spirit, it's vouchsafed, spoken for, grace builds upon nature. So it can't, It yes, I believe until the Perugia, it will remain unaltered. But that tells me the Perugia is coming sooner rather than later. I don't think we have another 2,000 years. I, I really, uh, that's a mathematical, more than intuitive, that's a mathematical model for, we just don't have another 2,000 years in us. I don't think another 1,000. Maybe it's after you and I are long gone, Frank. <laughs> but I don't think it's much more than, I don't know if it's 20 years or 50 years or 100, but but they're going after doctrine really directly as the the cubist, linear, orthogonal thinking midwits like Ray Kurzweil are trying to make humans out of robots and shit. Like mm -hmm. that's that's all happening at once. And it's that Malachi Martin quickening. It tells me this world's days are numbered. They always have been, but but the number's getting smaller. Well, it's going to take a fraction of that first thousand. You say, I don't know if it's going to be the last 2,000, 1,000. It's only going to take a fraction of the first thousand years to get us off the planet, Tim. So, I mean, yeah. uh, we're born, what, the 80s? So by yeah. 2065, 2070, we're going <laughs> to start blinking out. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, dude, uh, I am so happy you joined me tonight. Uh, this is a very, very cozy environment over here. I can't wait to keep tinkering with it, but we got to do more uh, more late-night streams just to you know, pick apart one topic or another. I like it so much. Well, I'm, I'm so honored to be on your, your maiden voyage, but I do like the late-night stream with you. I don't do it because my audience isn't accustomed to it. Maybe I should throw them in, but I'm in a way different mood than when I get up you know, and it's, you know, 10, usually it takes me till 11 or 1130 to get a show together. And it's something specific, like my whiteboard here on, okay, what's going on at the Synod and, and stuff like, or I do a feminism show, but I, it's a way different mood to just be waxing like, like Ray and Winston. I, I like it more at night. Yeah, man. The Ray and Winston hour. That's pretty much what it is right now. And then that's what nighttime does something. It's just the night brain is something totally different and um and, and it makes even the the most mundane of conversations just a, a little bit more chill and cozy you know especially now in october and we we had a conversation about uh, the month of october uh so we got we have to take advantage of it and i think that this had a a sufficient amount of spookiness to it but get, let everybody know what you got coming up next if you got a um a, 
a live stream you're doing or a specific video that's coming out, go right ahead. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm, I mean, we're always plugging the case for patriarchy and ask your husband, my, my book and my wife's book. And we've been really happy that um, those books, which were published almost three years ago, finally got some traction through some of my friends over there at Daily Wire, really mainstreamed the attack on feminism. That's been like a white pill in 2023. Everyone's talking about, it's it's not, you know, 100% of the truth, the red pill stuff. They got about 70% of the truth. But 2023 is the year that the case for patriarchy got mainstreamed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've largely Michael Knowles to thank. So if I'm doing a, a, a feminism uh, a show or something, I, I go on with Pearl every once in a while, pearly things. Um, then I'll do that. But a, a lot of my streams in the next two weeks will be updates on this synod on synodality. Cause you know, I got to, you know, I'm a Catholic with a Catholic audience, but, um, I, I, I'd love to keep coming on with you every, every once in a while on Saturdays, Frank, cause, uh, Aragorn says to Eowyn in Lord of the Rings, he says, you know, night, night changes many thoughts. Oh, yes. true. I'm in a totally different frame of mind now than yesterday morning when I was oh well, yeah we'll do it we'll do it because i do a lot of um i do try to get in one main saturday night show a month but now that i have this situation at home i want to just do a lot more just a lot of more stuff dropping in sometimes unannounced doing a special topic not it doesn't even have to be a stream that even eclipses an hour you know i just want to do things i want to do a, a total request live uh almost like a uh, a music night one night have people call in say a little something request a stupid song to somebody and and do that for 45 minutes that'll be fun I, i'm thinking about all types of things that i want to do um but yeah keep your keep your ears open now that you just brought that up with the feminism keep your ears open on july uh, october 19th i've got uh rachel wilson coming on the show and she is uh, really great at breaking down the 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 history of all the waves of feminism, that um, that that pretty much uh, the the suffrage movement, how feminism is has always been a the militant wing of witchcraft, and it's a it's a really going to be a great one. I heard her do a spot with Jay Dyer on on his show not too long ago, and I said, oh, I got I've got to get her on. So. Jeez. She's great. Yeah, she's been a great, great friend to me and Steph. Oh, so you way. know her? Oh, we, we're friends with her. Yeah, she's the one that hooked us up with pearly things. Her husband's great, Andrew. You should have him on too with the Crucible podcast. I mean, they're just they're just a great couple, and they're doing for for Eastern Orthodox Christians what uh, Steph and I are doing for Catholics. Just total all out war against the feminists, man. They're, they're, they're a great couple. I love them. And we're, we're friends with them. Oh, that's well, well, this is great. So I'll, I'll, I love having mutual friends with people it just relaxes the whole damn thing. But, um, yeah, then I'll hopefully that night, it's not too much to have you and or Steph call in for five minutes when I have the phone lines open to, to give, to get some, uh, ideas from people and some feedback. Maybe you guys jump in during that, uh, that after segment. We'd love to. As a matter of fact, you asked me for upcoming stuff, so um, we'll, we'll call in that night. The day before October the 18th, I'm doing a, a debate on Sola Scriptura against a Protestant on Trent Horn's channel. Um, and then four days after that, on October the 23rd, me and Rachel's husband are going on pearly things. And it's like, a, remember remember in like middle school where it was like me 
and this other good basketball player versus the five uh, shrimpy kids. Mm -hmm. Me and Andrew Wilson uh, debating a a bunch of feminists on on Pearly Things' channel. Um, he he got to pick any one lifeline, and he picked me, which I was I was honored to have. Um, oh, so that's cool. We're we're great allies with the the Wilsons. They're they're extremely cool. I'll I'll, I'll write it down and and call in. Yeah, and October nineteenth. It's uh you know just the week after next. Yeah, because you know, and then after that, we're just head head first into the holidays. I just love it. Every from from Aurora's birthday. The September 14th onward, that's like the beginning of the holidays for me now. I love that the holidays keep creeping back, 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 um, because, man, is it after Christmas, man, talk about deflated balloon. I understand taking the spirit, taking the spirit with you into the next year. I understand that. But there's something about that childhood deflation never goes away. It has never left me. Me and my second eldest daughter were talking about that exact thing last night. Because last year, so last year we took that big trip out in more like early to mid October, and that's when you and I got to meet. You met the whole fam. Yeah, that was cool. I met uh, Lauren and Aurora. That was really cool. Um, but we got back. That trip was for the twins' birthday, which is October the third. That's when our holidays begin. Nice, you know. But we got back just barely in time for Halloween that time. Um, but yeah, so us, you said it's it's September. For us, it's October the third with my twins' birthday. Then all of October we're we're super into Halloween. Then after then November the first, you're deflated because stuff's no longer the orange and black scary of of October. But yeah. now it's November and you're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Hunting season opens here. I go up to my land a bunch early in the mornings and and try to blast deers. Uh and then, and you know, Thanksgiving's a different kind of fun. It's less thrilling. It's more chill than Halloween. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's just chill. Yeah. It's just chill. And you eat and you watch movies. And we always watch National Lampoon's Christmas. And then the day after Thanksgiving, you're in Christmas mode. And the day after December the 26th sucks, man. And the shittiest holiday is New Year's. It's yeah. like we're starting out. the. I, I can't bring this with me. I can't fake it. I New- I New love Year's. the holidays. New Year's, you know, it's been New Year's a little bit claustrophobic. Um, it is. I, I felt that last year I said, I told Lauren, I said, you know, I'm feeling something a little bit like claustrophobia this year. Like around January 2nd, January 3rd, I was, she's like, what do you mean? Like, like what? I think we were like, it wasn't, a, we weren't in a closet or anything like that. There's no, I wasn't being crowded, but it was yeah. just the fact that we got to go through all that again i i I felt like i had i don't know i i felt like i had but you know some kind of a the weight on top it's just the the whole idea of going through the whole damn thing again we got to go through winter we got to go through spring and then the summer it almost feels like man that it's never going to be christmas again that comes so (laughs) quick and then it's and then all of a sudden it's 20 christmases later so it's a time is a bastard. It really is. Time's a son of a bitch. Well, literally, you have. I, I I'm not trying to go on long, but it's a great observation to say you feel claustrophobic on the first or the second. I only like pro sports. I never cared about college football. January the first is there. You're literally claustrophobic because you have less space. You have the tree, which suddenly isn't looking so cheery. Now <laughs> it's just a dead plant in your home. Okay, you know, okay. you you know you're gonna have to deal with that. You have all the toys, which are cool. That's the cheery part after Christmas is everyone's got the new toys. But 
it's everything's feeling kind of messy. You're kind of just like the paradigm's going to change. I just want to pull the bandaid off and get all the decorations down now because now they're just depressing me. I loved them before. And now I have to deal with the what now I have to look at my taxes from last year. Oh. Now I have the the winter sucks. Now winter before Christmas is cheery. It's a cheery cold. After January the first, it's just depressing. After and, January, after January first, it's at that point you're just like, okay, well, well, you don't have this anymore because you're living down the deep south. But I'm, uh, I say, all right, well. Maybe we'll get some snow, you know, a really bad snowstorm for two days. That could be like a mini holiday that's just given to you that you can't plan for as long as the, the, the you know, the, the, the lights stay on, that is. Right. But, um, right. you know, because I love taking a snow day. I would love to, you know, but that's all you're thinking about. You got nothing. Because here's the other thing, Tim. Nothing. Yeah. It starts off, it kicks off the political calendar. There is a parallel political calendar that runs alongside of what is the traditional old world calendar that was full of national identity, um, you know, a healthy sense of pride and and origin. Um, and then, of course, the wonderful religious holidays that were observed all over the place um, and, and almost unanimously from Easter to, of course, the fourth quarter where you have Thanksgiving and Christmas. It, there, there's just so much there. And if, and and over the last 15, 20 years, you have parallel, offsetting, political, militant holidays that are just running right down the entire the entirety of the the calendar. It starts off from January to March. That is when all of the award shows go on. That's pretty much their holidays. It's you know televised black masses. Then you have. Then you have the the Juneteenths for Independence Day. You have one thing or another, Pride Month, that whole that whole disaster. And uh, and then and then during during the fourth quarter, they always try to tell us, oh, Thanksgiving is a horrible holiday. Well, they try to take the wind out of our sails. It doesn't work. But I right. think that that's part of that's part of the rigmarole now is having to go through, uh, you know, just being bothered. Uh, that I hate I hate being bothered. But anyway, yeah, you've been well said. You've been well a great. Said. You've been a great sport, man. Thanks for being on tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're just always saying what's on my mind or my what I'm feeling, man. You intone it really well. That's why people love, quite frankly, dude. That's why I like being your friend. It's cool. You, this was just totally unexpected, but uh, really enjoyed it as always. Well, thank you for taking the invitation. It was I, I threw it your way uh, yesterday, I think, and I said, "This good. All right, we're good on winning this." Well, have a good week. I'll talk to you afterwards. YouTube, brother. Peace. All right, all right. There you go. There goes Timothy Gordon. TimothyJGordon.com. Pretty good. Pretty good night. I'm feeling all right. Feeling all right. Speaking of, it's uh, Columbus Day. Very, very naughty holiday. Very naughty. I love it. Still love it. Thank you, Christopher Columbus. We'll be doing that on Monday with Alaric the Barbarian. Um, I'm going to take one or two more calls. 914-914-200-0269. Give me a buzz. Tell me what's on your mind. 914-200-0269. How did you like tonight, and how's it all going for you? 
and I hope you have a good day tomorrow. And if you are a sponsor of the show, I will see you on the Sunday stream. Be doing that at some point late in the morning. Going to spend a good amount of time cleaning out the basement tomorrow too, so there's that. I'm so excited. So excited. All right, what do I have here? What do I have? Here's a little bit, okay. Just a little bit left over from last week. So we were talking about the psychic. We were talking about Kim Russo on Thursday night. She was on with me. On Friday, I woke up and I had this in my um, in my my inbox waiting for me from a man named John who watches the show often, and he's gotten in touch with me with a lot of his different um, paranormal experiences, and some of them are just quite disturbing. So I'm always on the lookout for him. He says, hello, Frank. Good show again tonight. Growing up psychic, that is. And when she was talking about the love angle, it reminded me of what God had spoken to me on one of my many th- on one of the many things he explained to me was the concept of cosmic love. I will try to compress this with as few words as possible. Almost everyone in this reality and those spirits that reside within the universe all understand the concept of love is that the state of being is the highest form. That's it. Love being the highest form of being. This is correct to a point. I was shown a yardstick. Now, John has been, he's a lifelong uh, abductee and had a lot of different experiences that kind of had him bouncing between both worlds. I always like listening to what he's got to say. He said, uh, God explained that within this universe, all realities and realms are contained on this ruler. Most think that our entire purpose of every spirit is to climb the yardstick to complete love. There will be a time when one reaches that goal and will realize that it's not the ending point. The true path is to embrace the entirety of the yardstick from the evil to the highest love. By absorbing the entire yardstick within yourself, you find yourself rising out of the paradigm and into what is complete truth of God. You absorb all of it, become more of, of uh, more than what uh, that is within that yardstick. Um, God then told me and showed me what is beyond the bubble of love. There's a race of beings that have learned to move beyond the yardstick, and by encompassing all and moving past it, they become a neutral as a state of being. This race is the layer just under God. They are ones that help shape, create, etc., the will of God, their size so huge that they dwarf planets. In their presence, you're uncontrollable. You shake uncontrollably. You fall under their pressure. Every fiber of your being feels like they are being, it's being ripped from you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, just having a dream like that? Who actually really knows you know, we get the guidelines, we get the guidelines, a little bit of a roadmap, you work on yourself, you stay well, you stay honest, and you love, and you provide, and, and you just, you do well, you do right by people around you, you treat them the way you want to be treated, but once you push past that veil, man, oh man, imagine the never-ending story some people come back and talk about it. And it sounds that way sometimes. Let's see. Let's take a call. 402, you're on the air. Who's this? 
This is uh, Brian Jack Holder from Council Bluffs, Iowa. What's going Congress. on? I've called in a couple times. Frank, how you doing? Doing well. Great to have you back on, Jack. I'm uh, sorry I'm late to the show. I only caught the very end of it. But, uh, you know, I love the, the title of your show tonight. Uh, we're surrounded by the, the people that uh, are probably going to end up going to hell. You know, they're the ones that control our lives through the government. You know what? It's one of those things. It's one of those things where, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I've met so many of these uh, politicians, uh, people I've run against for the U.S. House, and uh, they just they're not like us. They give off this vibe that, uh, you know, they're uh, I don't I'm not saying they're lizard people, but uh, many of them are sociopaths. But they're they're perfectly possessed. And, you know, I'm six foot seven uh 230 so they don't like it when i'm very nice to them they don't know how to handle kindness and love especially from a gentle giant you know yeah you know it's the old uh uh general jop from the vietnam war you know you grab them by the belt buckle you pull them in tight well i think i don't i don't dislike them or hate them i hate the uh the two-party system and uh everything they impose on us yeah, you, well, you, you're saying something really big there. You're, you're talking about the actual people who are working within that system. And then, thank you again for the call, Jack. What, the, the people who work in that system, then they're, they're those who are very easily influenced by that. Those are the ones that we have to really live around. Everybody else, their names on a ballot, their faces on a ballot, their uh, a talking head on a press conference whenever there's a issue and it's just reality tv it's not really real until you realize how it's affecting the people around you and if everybody had their had their wits about them our friends and family if they if it didn't penetrate the way that it did all the the psych war stuff from the especially the last few years then everything would be very different that's just really it penetrated the messaging penetrated other than that oh man i would be fine with the, with with people larping around in washington dc having a larp somewhere while the rest of us are just uh you know perfectly cocooned and ready to make decisions and telling telling the higher ups very very confidently and within our rights to just fuck off Oh, that that would be that would be so much more comfortable than where we are right now. We just don't know how the programming has picked up on one person or another. All right, let's do uh, one more call. Five three zero. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay, let's take another call. One more time with five three zero. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Well, I just have a few things to say. Okay. What do you got? Okay. Okay. So earlier this week, you were talking about um, uh, these, um, the policemen or, or peop- the, the scams of what people were doing. Mm-hmm. To, do you remember what I'm talking about? The, the scam? Where they were. The scams. Like they were like doing scams with, against with people. A, with AI? What do you mean? What we were talking about last night with with Jay uh, with Jay Gulanello about AI. I th- I actually I think it was the night before. 
Okay. So anyway, what I was going to talk about is this actually happened to one of my family members. Um, when they got literally scammed because I have two boys that are in the police department and all their information is out there for the ether for all of them to see. And somebody called them and said, that, oh, you've been locked up in a Mexican. They've been picked up by a Mexican jail and put in a Mexican jail. And if you want them out, you got to pay this money. And she actually paid the money and got scammed. $5,000. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what we were, we were talking about that last night. That was last okay, night. I, 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 don't, I, I watch it every night, so I don't remember what night it was. So I apologize. Yeah, no, it's so, this has been going on for a long time, even before the technology was able to clone a person's voice and actually make it sound like it's a hostage, well, what's hostage situation. What's interesting about that is that this was done before even the voice cloning came in. So now you're looking at it as, as like, oh, my God, all they got to do is call up a police department and they got videos out there because they got they got to release all that stuff and they have to put it out in the ether and because all their information is out there in the ether, oh my goodness, now think of all the the police officers, sheriff's officers, whatever they are, around the whole entire country that can be scammed by, because this happened in my own family. Yeah, and, 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 the, and these are just everyday crooks. Thank you for the call so much. Yeah, thank you for the call. These are just everyday crooks. Those are, those are small little payoffs. $1,000 here. Very, very odd sums of money. It's quickly siphoned off through cryptocurrency now. And that's just very small things. A lot was getting done with the just just mailing. My grandmother was 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 taken um, by a uh, a scam like that. Small things. We started realizing that she was sending out $25 checks, a $25 check here, $25 check there. And it's just all the Nigerian print stuff. And that was all mail. That's snail mail, you know, and and you, you just go to vulnerable groups, especially older people. You have a couple of thousand, you know, 80 year old women sending twenty five dollar checks every once in a while to make sure that a fifty thousand dollar account can be opened up and then they can share that fifty thousand dollars with their friend or with their family, thinking they're doing something good for their family. It's really, again, very requiem for a dream. It tears your heart out tears your heart out to see somebody you love get uh get get taken for a ride like that my oh my god that was that was so that was that was painful to have to tell my grandma this is not real had hold held like a uh, family meeting to let everybody know that that the family is going to be all right i got this money and oh no no oh no and uh, so that was that. And no AI. We're talking about years before AI. Years before. Plenty of money was being skimmed out of people's bank accounts just with the old Nigerian uh, prince mailers. So, yeah, plenty more to be made still. All right. Um, that's it for tonight. That's it. Thank you, guys and gals. I just wanted to do a little bit of everything. So war is breaking out again. The craziness is all over the place. And where there are not guns and cannons being fired, there are pencil pushers trying to change civilization uh, through dogma and through, uh, through other forms of subversion. So what is left in hell? Anything? 
seems it's going to be pretty empty. Must be. And I'm so happy that you guys and gals were here with me tonight. I'm going to be figuring out, you know, I'll show you. I had to put this on the, the lowest. The throbbing of the neon picks up a little bit around 25%. See, I don't like that. There's 50. There's 100. Now, 100 stabilizes. And I got this going through a battery. I put it through the wall, the the wall jack at first, and I I said uh, I don't know. I thought that this was just because the alternating current, it's just creating. That's just the frequency and the anti flicker stuff over here with the with the uh, with the frame rates on on the um, on the camera's end. It's not. It didn't do anything. So I said, let me go to direct current, and I got myself this battery pack. Now a hundred stabilizes pretty well. But it's very bright. What do you think about this? Should it go to 100? Or should I bring it down to below 25? What do you think? 100% or go low? Because, of course, you go low, you can actually see the QFTV a little bit better. 100% or low, what do you think? 100% good, others can give seizures. Well, I mean, it's going to be worked out one way or another. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. I just didn't want to delay the 100%. Some people say 100%. Quite frankly, turn it off. Absolutely absolute fucking lutely not. $250 I spend on this. Send me $500, I'll turn it off turn it off <laughs> there's the hundred people oh now they're saying put it on half no half is when we have a little bit too much flickering but it looks good i think it looks better than the uh, the hundred i would put it on 50 percent. so i'm gonna have to figure this out anyway the worst thing to do is ask a chat room for their opinion sometimes but i just wanted to I just wanted to keep talking. So that's it for me. Thank you guys so much. I will see you. I'll see you on Monday. Unless you're a sponsor, then I'll see you tomorrow for the private Sunday stream. Good night.